shining face, freely bore it all. I within my live, I stood condemned to die, but Jesus took my place. All that I might in his presence live, up Calvary's hill in shame, the blessed Savior trod, he bore it all, that I might live. Between two thieves they crucified the Son of God, all that I might in his presence live, he bore it all, that I might see his shining face, freely bore it all, I with him might live. Condemned to die, but Jesus took my place. All that I might in his presence live. Our Father. We're truly thankful and blessed. We're blessed as individuals with your love. We're blessed as a family, our immediate family, with your love. And we're blessed with the church family, with your love. Father, help us to realize that our, each and every one of us will be have to make this walk, have to make each step each day, have to face every challenge and trouble and joy each day until we cross that threshold to eternity. Father, on the way, may we find others of kindred spirits, believers in your Son, that we can build a relationship and a trust and a need. Help us to realize that the things that we do in this world are temporal. The challenges that we have, though they consume us and drive us and control us, that we have to find peace through prayer, through concentration, through a realization of your love. Father, there's not another place, another person, no matter how much we love our family or anything, that will love us like you do. Father, be with every family in this church, both singles, married, those that are getting married, those that are having our wonderful babies, and yes, our senior citizens, everyone, everyone are challenged by illnesses, challenged financially, job-wise, trouble in families. But most of all, Father, troubled in spirit. We need to find a relationship. We need to be closer to you. We need to seek you every day. 
And as we seek you and find you and get closer, our spirit, our, our way that we act, the way that we treat others, will overpower them and become more like you. Forgive us, Father. Guide us. Be with those that are sick. As long as we're on this side of eternity, there always will be illness and death. Guide us, bless us, and keep us and forgive us. In Jesus' name, amen. The song before the lesson will be number 854, When He Comes in Glory. Won't you stand as we sing the song? Sweet will be to meet the Lord when He comes in glory by and by. What a song of praise will be outpoured when He comes in glory by and by. How sweet, how sweet when He Please be seated. If you will, take your Bibles and and open them to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We'll be studying from verses 38 through 41. I want to commend the congregation again for visitation uh, at the funeral home today. You know, it's a wonderful thing to see people who truly love other people better than they love themselves. And so uh, you just always do a wonderful job when you're there of coming by, showing people your concern. And until you face a time like that, you don't really know how much that means to show the love and the concern. And so I want to thank you again for the kindness. I want to thank you for your cards. Um, Doug George was talking about his mother in the hospital, and, and he uh, said, by the way, she doesn't have an African name. We've got the wrong name in there. So he had a little fun with that, a little laugh about that, you know. And uh, so we'll, uh, it, her name is Zula, not Zulu, okay? But um, anyways, he, what, he, what he told in class, he was saying that his mother got a stack of cards and she was just tickled to death. And, and uh, it, almost every card that she got came from some of y'all. It's just a, a wonderful thing that you can do things that will make a difference in people's lives when for you, you would say, oh, it's no big deal. Kind of reminds you in Matthew 25 in the day of judgment, you know, when God says, come on in. And they're saying, why? And Jesus says, because I was sick and I was hungry and I was thirsty and you did all these things. 
And their response was, well, when did we do all this to you, Jesus? He said, as often as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And so we serve God. One of the ways that we serve him, one of the greatest ways is by helping, by helping each other. Um, Notice Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. I love the word of God because there's concepts that you can learn from God's word that will not only change your life, but they'll change other people's lives. And, and, and people will be amazed at your attitude. They will be amazed at your concern. And they just don't understand it. And, and, and when you tell them it's because of God, it's because I'm a child of God, it's because what I learned in God's word. Here's one of those passages in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. But I say to you, do not resist one who is evil. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your coat, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go with him one mile, go with him two miles. Give to him who begs from you and do not refuse him who would borrow from you. You know, it's interesting because sometimes the the things that Jesus talks about there are the very concepts that you'll find a lot of people that probably don't have a lot of friends. But you find this attitude about the law of retaliation. And it seems like that's what's being played today. An eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. And I'm going to get even with you. You know, and, uh, and, and so as a result of that, Jesus says, he, he gives this concept about the idea of the law of retaliation. And, and the part that we want to talk about tonight is ab- about going the second mile. Jesus said, if somebody were to, just, all they want to do to you is slap your face, well, give him the other, give him the other cheek. Now, he didn't say, if somebody wants to shoot your arm off, hold out the other one. Somebody wants to kill one of your children, let him kill the other. That's not what he said. He said, if all somebody wants to do is insult you, let him insult you. If all somebody wants you to do is go with them for a mile, go with them too. If all they're trying to constrain you to do, you see, is to do some, take away your coat, well, give him your cloak also. And so the idea of not trying to retaliate, you know, and, and not talking about what your rights are is an important thing. Somebody said there's two kinds of people. Well, what are, you know, you always hear that. And, 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 and somebody said, well, Jim, what are you talking about? You're talking about Christians and non-Christians. Well, there's rich and there's poor. There's happy and sad. There's those that are pretty and those that are not so pretty. But in God's word, there's two different kinds of people here that Jesus is talking about. And there are one milers and there are two milers. And tonight, that's all I want you to think about. Am I a two miler? Am I a person who tries to go the second mile? Now, you can study the Persian uh, uh, Empire. You can study the Roman Empire. And, 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 and this is something that's repeated throughout history. Whenever a, a nation occupied another nation, just like we have occupied countries. I'll tell you, when our GIs were occupying a country, and, and when, when one of our um, generals or one of our lieutenants or sergeants, you know, when they were occupying a country, and they gave an instruction for somebody to do something, that was their responsibility, because at that point, they were the martial law of the town to do that. And so the Persians, who had the first Pony Express, could compel any one of the citizens in their empire that they conquered to provide provision for those men who carried the mail and and carried the messages. The Roman Empire, there were written statutes that wherever they occupied, a Roman soldier could could compel a male citizen of of a country to carry his bag for him a mile. 
And, and, and there's some beautiful stories. I remember just, you know, they're, you know, they're made up, but they're beautiful about, about the two men who come home. One man comes home one day and he's ill, he's upset, he's, he's, he's late, he's, he's mad at the kids, he's mad at the dog, he's mad at his wife. And finally they say, what's wrong, daddy? Well, you know, one of those sorry Roman soldiers. I, I was all done for the week and I was on my way home and he compelled me to, to carry that thing and it, it just ruined his whole life. Why? Because he's a one-miler. And then there's this other family that the father's late and they've been worried about him. He comes in, he got a smile on his face. Daddy, you're late for supper. I know, I know, but I had something I had to take care of. And, you know, he's, the kids are happy to see him. The dog's happy to see him. His wife's happy to see him. And all of a sudden, when they're visiting there for a while, his wife gets a smile on her face and says, I know what happened to you today. So one of those Roman soldiers made you carry his bag today, didn't he? He said, yeah. And she said, you carried it two miles, didn't you? And she said, he said, yes, I did. And we talk, I talked with that young man. I talked about his family and how he missed home. And, you know, all the, all the way he kept telling me, listen, mister, you don't have to do this. I'm sorry I asked you in the first place. And, and, and you see from, even though it's a made-up story, I'm sure it's true, the difference in the whole attitude of being a person who's a one-miler and a two-mile. All right? The first mile is the hard mile. Isn't it? I mean, you've got to do it. You have to do it. Why? The law says you have to do this. And, and everybody expects you to do that. So when you do things that everybody says you have to do and they expect you to do, you don't get a lot of joy out of that, do you? Because you're expected to do it. But think about the second mile. The second mile is the easy mile because it's the love mile. I mean, you don't have to do it. You do it because you want to. And it, it, and it leaves everybody in debt to you. I mean, it leaves the law, it leaves the people in debt to you. And when you die as a two-miler, people come to visit you, and they come to, to, to or, or you're dying, or they come to visit you at the funeral home, they start telling stories about two-milers, about what you did for them in your life. And you know, one time I was out here, and you know what he did for me? And you know what he did for me? What a wonderful thing. To be in a, in, a, in a funeral home or to be with one of your loved ones or relatives like several of mine have been, like Uncle Jude and my father and, and, and Shirley's daddy, and for people to tell you the things that they had done for people all their lives. Why? Because they were two-milers. And it made a difference in other people's lives. Happiness in our life comes when we get the idea of being a two-miler, when we go the second mile. And that's why in our lives as Christians, we need to learn to do more than what is expected from us. We need to do more than what is demanded from us. And then we will be praised for that because we are willing to go the second mile. Listen, who, whoever felt good uh, about doing what they had to do? You know, Christians... Um, I mean, what about a Christian who, who thinks as a Christian, well, I'm only going to do in this church what I have to do. Well, boy, that's going to be a great life, isn't it? You know, what about a, what about a husband or wife? What about being married to a one-miler? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to do my 50%, and then I'm finished. Well, boy, that's going to be a great marriage relationship, isn't it? You know, or, or what about a father? What about having a father who's a one-miler? Well, I'll tell you what. All I'm going to do for you is what I've got to do. What a terrible situation to be in. But really joy and love and peace comes from people who go beyond the one mile. Think about the one milers. Think about Matthew chapter 25 verses 41 through 46. Those that are on the left hand. 
You, you see, they would never have failed to feed or clothe or to comfort Jesus. But because it wasn't Jesus, they didn't do it. But think on the other hand, the two milers. I mean, when they, Jesus said, you, you, you know, I was hungry and I was thirsty and I was naked. And, and they're, they're saying the same thing you will say one day. When did I ever see you, Jesus? When did I ever see you like this? And Jesus said, oh, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Isn't that interesting? Is it possible that the attitude, one of the attitudes that will separate people in eternity is the attitude of being a one-miler or a two-miler? Jesus said to them, I never knew you. I never really knew who you were. You were never my people. And, and, uh, and, and what, a, what a stark reality. You know, you know the two-milers, they fed the least, they closed the least. They never thought about it. Why? Because they were two-milers. And they didn't look upon their lives as doing anything special. They just thought that is exactly what they were called to do. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 2, Jesus tells the story about the laborers who would not work until the price was set. Cold calculating citizens. They wouldn't go into the, the field and, and serve, you know. And the last ones, the 11th hour servants, Jesus said, come work. And they worked. They didn't make any deal about how much they were going to be paid. They only worked one hour, but because they were so willing to go, they just hadn't had a chance for the opportunity. And when he called them back and he paid the ones, starting from the ones that worked one hour, the ones that worked all day long, he paid them all the same thing. Well, what's Jesus talking about? He's talking about that attitude. Are we going to do in our lives only what somebody's going to make us do? Well, I don't know about you, but I grew up with two generations before me who believed, listen, they didn't throw trash out in the road. Why? Because there was a law? No, they didn't know anything about the law. You just don't throw trash out on other people's property. You don't do to other people what you don't want done to you. And then when it came to helping people, it was, look, listen, I need to do this. Why do I need to do this? Because if I was in that situation and somebody could help me, I'd want to be helped. It is amazing the difference there is in people who have this Christian attitude. Luke chapter 17, verses 7 through 10, Jesus talks about the cold, calculating servant doing just as little as he has to. What is he never going to receive? He's never going to receive any special treatment from God, you know, because of his attitude. But God's servants are two milers. They walk the, the love mile. Let me give you examples of that. Abraham. Abraham rescued Lot in Genesis 14, in spite of the fact that he gave Lot, who was younger than him, the opportunity to choose which land that he would have his family and his sheep. And Lot chose the best part and left Abraham with the worst part. Now, Abraham could have made a million arguments, couldn't he? I older than you, you ought to respect me. He could have demanded to have the best place, but he didn't do it. And in the end, because of Abraham's wonderful attitude, he was able then even to rescue Lot later. Now, in the end of their life, isn't it interesting? Who had everything? Abraham did. Why? Because God blesses second-mile people. He does. He blesses them. Lot took advantage of every situation. He lost everything. Abraham always sacrificed for those that were around him. God blessed him in an amazing way. Think about Joseph in Genesis 50, 19 through 21. You know, somebody says, well, he shouldn't have told them that dream. Well, whenever you had a dream back then, it came from God and you told people about the dream. And they knew it came from God. His father knew that it came from God. Well, later on in their lives, his brothers had done everything to hurt him. Notice the, the attitude of Joseph. What was he? He went the second mile. He forgave his brothers and he suffered for 20 years. 
And in the end, who was blessed? Joseph was blessed. And he did what God told him in that first dream that he would do. He would be able to bless his family. Think about David. Twice he spared Saul's life when Saul tried to kill David. 1 Samuel 24, 1 Samuel 26. Somebody says, well, that's a remarkable story, but I don't get it. Do you understand why God loved David? Because that's the kind of man David was in the center of his heart. Here's a man that would have killed him, would have destroyed his family. And when he had the opportunity, because God didn't tell him to do it, he wouldn't do it. And even demonstrated to him that he had nothing to fear from him. That David would never have lifted his hand to take Saul's life. Why? Because David was a two-miler. And at the end of their lives, who was the one who had the respect from God? It was David. He was the two-miler. Think about Elisha. I mean, one of the great stories in the Bible is 2 Kings chapter 6. He talked about Naaman this morning. Uh, uh, Wes did. 2 Kings chapter 6. The Syrians are coming to try to attack Israel and, and, and take things. And his servant comes out with him and he sees the armies. And he, he says, you know, and Elisha says, well, look, look outside of them. And what do you see? They're encompassed by the armies of the Lord. And so he just prays to God. God strikes him blind. And you know, when his servant's saying, oh, what should we do? And the army, what should we do? It's like, oh, kill and eat. You know, it's time to kill them. No. What are we going to do? Elisha says, we're going to feed them. And then their sight's going to be restored and we're going to send them home. You see, Elisha was a second mile man. He trusted God. What happened? They never came back again to Israel. Why? Because they knew they could have died there. But because of the grace and the mercy and the kindness of Elijah the prophet, and they knew the power that, that God had, they never came back again. Think about Paul. Paul says that he became all things to all men so that he could save some. What's he talking about? Paul went the second mile. I mean, it wasn't just a matter of, well, you know, I'm Paul. I'm an apostle. I'm in charge here. No, he, he, he served. You know, he, he, he tried to do everything he could to pay his own way. He made every sacrifice. And in the end, who becomes the greatest missionaries? Paul does. And who are these young men, Timothy and Titus, that he's able to, to, uh, to encourage and help? Think about Stephen as, as, after preaching that powerful sermon, indicting the Jews so that he can convert them. They decided to kill him. And as they're pelting him with stones, he prays to God not to lay this, this sin to their charge. And, of course, the greatest example is Christ on the cross. In Luke 23, uh, verse 24. I mean, he's praying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Those are second milers. You see second milers. And you see the power of it. You see the beauty of it. And you see the difference that it can make in our lives. Well, very quickly, these points. The love mile will bring positive happiness in your life. It will. It'll make you happy. I mean, who wants to live with a one-miler? Who wants to live with a two-miler? You know? I mean, when you get married, you, you just think that your spouse is always going to be saying, this is what you're going to do. What can I do for you, honey? You know? That's what you think you're going to hear. Some of you are grinning. You stop saying that? That's all I ever hear from Shirley. Honey, what can I do for you? It, it is interesting. Who wants to live with a one-miler? Who wants to live with somebody who, 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 who just wants to do what they have to do, that doesn't want to do what they can do? Who wants to try, travel with a, with a one-miler? Someone who, you know, who misses the scenery because he's climbing the mile markers. I remember my father was one of these when we came to Mississippi from Michigan. He, he, I mean, if we wanted to eat somewhere, it had to be on the right side of the road. Raise your hands if you remember that with your dad. He was in mortal combat 
with the concrete. It's like, Dad, relax. Well, I learned, you know, now when we, we travel with our kids, boy, you pull off the interstate and every one of them wants to go to a different place. I remember one time we were on the way to Cody, Wyoming. I pulled off and stopped at four different places that were there so that everybody could get what they wanted to eat. Well, it's just a lot more fun being with somebody who's more like your grandmama than a one-miler, isn't it? Grandmothers, one-milers, no. Grandmothers are always trying to take care of you. When, when, I, when we, I first came here and we'd do the youth program, I remember I, I knew whose ladies' houses I was going to. Sister Lackey's mama, that's where I wanted to go to her house, man. Because why? She had grandkids. She always had something cooked to give. So we go over there and rake lawn. If you went with me, we went to her house. Why? Because she's a two-miler. She always wanted to go beyond. She, she didn't want to do just what she had to do. She wanted to do what she wanted to do. You know, one-milers create one-milers create people who gripe. You know, because you spend your whole life trying to argue to yourself and everybody else that you've done enough. I've done enough. But if you're a two-miler, you won't ever have to deal with that argument. One of my favorite stories is the story about the guy who was a paratrooper and they taught him how to jump out of the plane. They told him you jump out, count to five, pull the ripcord. If it doesn't, shoot doesn't come out, count five more and pull the safety chute. You know, and then, you know, make sure and, you know, roll, you know, buckle your knees, you know, when you hit the ground and roll and a truck will pick you up. Well, he jumped out of that plane. He counted a five, pulled the first cord, nothing happened. He counted a five, put the second cord, and as he was plummeting towards the ground about 200 miles an hour, he said, yeah, and I bet that truck won't be there either. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's interesting sometimes the difference our attitude can have on life. Number two, going the, the, the second mile brings out the best in us. Isn't that right? You know, Jesus said that, you know, let your light shine before men so that they will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. One of the things I love about my brethren, there's always, they're always trying to help people. Always trying to do good. I go to the jail with these guys that are members of the church here. They're always trying to be helpful. You know, they don't go there so they can tell everybody how lost they are, how sorry they are. They're going there so they can encourage them. And they're kind and try to do whatever they can to be of, of encouragement to them. You know, you, going the second mile brings out the best in us. You know, somebody said, you know, have you left your spouse? And they said, well, the last time we both left the house together was when it was on fire. Are you going the second mile in your marriage? Are you trying to make your spouse happy? Or are you just trying to, oh, I've done what I need to do and I'm not doing anything else? Uh, I remember the story somebody told about the woman who was divorcing her husband. And the judge asked, what were the grounds? She said, poor parents. And she said, explain to me. He said, well, I haven't seen him in two years. Well, are, are our spouses seeing us somewhere? Outside of our home, outside of the everyday things? Are we going the second mile? When you try to be all that you can be, to somebody else. It will bring out the best in you. And I remember Paul Faulkner telling the story about the couple that, you know, that he'd been working with this man. He was a sorry outfit and his wife was just tired of it. Paul, she said, I'm not, I'm not doing anything else. I'm going to leave him. And he said, well, I'm certain, I'm sure you probably have the right. Well, I'm just, how are you going to do it? Well, I'm just, he said, well, let me suggest you do this. He said, why don't you just no, that's not going to, he's not going to be surprised if you tell him tomorrow, you're out of here and I'm never coming back. He said, why don't you try for the next few weeks to be the nicest you've ever been to him. And when you've got him eating out of your hand, you just leave him flat. Boy, that'll kill him. That'll kill him. She said, that's what I'm going to do. Well, he saw him about a month and a half later. 
said, well, if you had left your husband, left that man? Why, man, that's the finest man. I just can't believe. Well, it's interesting, you see, because that's a true story. You know, when, when she started going the second mile with her husband, it brought out the best in her, but it also, and the third point is, the second mile brings out the best in others. Have, have you ever been somewhere in a situation that somebody was angry and they were wanting to get angry and they wanted to throw a fit and you just wouldn't let them? You just were so sweet, you know? You talk about heaping coals of fire on their head. You know, you, you knew what was going on, but you're the second mile or you're not going to do it. You're going to be just as nice and they're not going to upset you. And, 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 and all of a sudden you will see their whole, their whole attitude change. My mother said that one of the things that she learned is that when she has to deal with people on the phone, nobody has any idea when they're talking to her that she's 85 years old. And so she just tells them, listen, honey, I, I'm, I'm old. I'm 85 years old. I can't hear good and I can't think good. And, and can you please help me? She said, it is amazing, Jim, how people on the phone will change their whole attitude and say, oh, yes, you know why? They start thinking about their own mother or their own grandmother. It's just amazing that when you go the second mile, it brings out the, be the best in others. Think about Jesus Christ. Christ was a two-miler. He fed people that were hungry. He raised people, uh, uh, healed people that were sick. He raised the dead. He wasn't going to get any pay for it. He wasn't looking for headlines in the papers. He wasn't trying to see how many he could have in his church building next week. And isn't it amazing how people responded? When Christ was dead, Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man, a powerful man, an influential man, was willing to sacrifice everything about his life to take the body of Jesus and bury it. Why? Because when Jesus went the second mile, it brought out the best in Joseph of Arimathea. Think about Nicodemus. I mean, there's Jesus preaching. There's the Pharisees. They're doing all the preaching that Jesus isn't doing at this time. And, and what, what would they have done? What would they have done to... Uh, what would they have done to, uh, uh, I mean, Zacchaeus, not Nicodemus, but Zacchaeus. What would they have done to him? You're a sinner. We don't want to have anything to do with you. You work for the government. You're a traitor in the first place. Jesus went home with this man, ate lunch with him. And because of Jesus going the second mile with him when nobody else would, here was a man who wanted to change. He wanted to know he could be better and do better. And Jesus going the second mile showed, showed him. That he could be a different man. What did he do that day? He gave half of everything he had that day to the poor. And then he pledged that he would make up to somebody fourfold anything that he had taken to them. Why? Because when you go the second mile, it brings out the best in others. My chair, my car, my house, mine, 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 mine. What a wonderful thing when you start, have a whole different attitude about what God has blessed you with. And you realize that God has blessed you so you can be a blessing to others. And I'm preaching to the choir. Because we've got some of the finest people in this church that I have ever met in my life. You can't mention a good cause. You can't mention a good thing that they're not ready to do it. Just exactly like God's word says. And it makes a difference because we have so many two miles. Well, the final point is this. Jesus Christ went the extra mile for us. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ went the second mile. He, he died for us. He didn't have any guarantees from his disciples about what they were going to do. They didn't know. He knew that. Why, why did Christ go ahead and die 
when he knew that I would be here and had never seen me or never known me because he's a two-miler. Christ did all that he could do for other people. Paul adopted that same attitude later. I become all things to all men. Just like Jesus Christ. You, you could have added that to it. Why? So that I could at least save some. We need to be servants of Jesus Christ because he went the second mile for us. Paul says in Philippians 2 and verse 5, Have this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 5, 8 through 9, the Hebrew writer says, Though he was the Son of God, yet he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all those that will obey him. Well... Almost every day, there's two different people that are being compelled to serve. They're either being told by somebody at the work to do something, or they're told by one of their parents, or they're told by a superior. Two people are compelled. Which one are we going to be this week? Are we going to be the one-miler, or are we going to be the two-miler? And if we're Christians and we live with that attitude, it will make a difference in us. It will make a difference in our families. It will make a difference in our life. And it will make a difference in everybody that we come into contact with. Jesus had so many secrets that he gave to us about things that could possibly change the whole world. Wes did an excellent job preaching on baptism this morning, didn't he? Man, you can understand that sermon. I don't know. I don't care who you are. Isn't that right? You can understand that. And tonight, we always leave the invitation of Jesus open because it's his invitation. And when he comes, he'll close it. But tonight, if you need to come to Christ, we encourage you to come. Whatever your need might be, whether you would like to put him on in baptism tonight or you just need our prayers, our encouragement. Whatever your need might be, won't you come while we stand, while we sing together. shall assemble at the throne with humble hearts into his presence. We bring an offering of song, glory and honor and dominion unto the I just wanted to let you all know, in case you didn't know, Mark Beckham and his family are with us tonight. Mark grew up in this congregation. 
and you didn't completely ruin him. He turned out to be pretty good. He's an elder in the church at Chattanooga, and, and they're the ones that oversee the church where he's an elder, oversees the work and the ministry that our kids uh, went and had such a good experience this summer. We appreciate Mark and his family for their good life and their good service to the Lord. Glad that they're with us tonight. If you have not had the opportunity to protect the Lord's Supper, it's been left prepared for you. You can exit the auditorium to my right, and you will be served. We're going to close this evening with number 731, Take Time to Be Holy, and we'll be dismissed in prayer. Take time to be holy, speak oft with thy Lord, abide in him always, and feed on his word. Make friends of God's children, help those who are weak, for to seek. Take time to be holy. The world rushes on. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. Abiding in Jesus love him thou shalt be, thy friends and thy conduct, his likeness shall see. Take time to be holy, be calm in thy soul, each thought and each motive be control thus led by his spirit to fountains of love thou soon shall be fitted for service Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to come together and worship, study your word, hear messages presented from your word. We thank you for everything you do for us. We lift up again all those who are sick in any way and those who've lost loved ones and ask you to bless all these families and just ask that you would comfort them and let them know that the God of heaven is with them. Watch over us now and help us this week to try our best to be what God's people should be. Keep us until we meet here again, until we all meet together around your throne in heaven. In the name of the Lord, amen.